Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. So you have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, man, I'm a little thrown off early today because Ken Flo is going skins for the first time in the history of the Anik and Florian Podcast. He doesn't have a shirt on. It's Monday, June 17, 2019. It's episode 205 of the Anik and Florian Podcast. Looking good, kid. Skins today, huh? No shirt, no pants, no <laughs> cares. Yeah, no cares. I bet you do. I, I Absolutely. Mean, it, it's a fucking lock of the day that you don't have any pants on if you're not wearing the shirt. Uh, also, no <laughs> microphone. Your headset is functioning yes. today, so you, the hands are free. Uh, do with them what you like. So, uh, hope everyone had a good Father's Day. Ken Flo's in South Carolina. Yes. I am in South Florida as usual. So you're going South Carolina, then you're going like New Hampshire, Boston. Is that what we're doing? That is correct. Seeing, seeing family on this trip. It's been a while, so it's good. It's been good. So, uh, so like, does anything change for you on Father's Day? I mean, I definitely get treated be- better on Father's Day by, by my daughters than, than the other days. Not that they don't treat me well, but certainly right. an uptick in terms of the appreciation and uh, sensitivity to dad's needs one day a year, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I, I I don't think True realizes that yet. Uh, you know, she's, right. she's still only 16 months, so you know right. she right. She, hey. she 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 treats me like the bum that I am. You know, yeah. as always. Yeah. So second Father's Day for Ken Flo. My wife yes. said you had some nice capri pants on yesterday. I did. So uh, I did. so I'll be honest with you. So I bought a pair. I don't know if you'd call them capris because they touch okay. my ankle bones, right? But right. I bought a pair of short men's pants, right? Okay. Largely with the intention to put them on in front of my twin brother and have him react and make fun of me. And then I was going to return them. I, you know, <laughs> uh, 
Cause I have not been, I, you know, I've given guys, I've given guys shit in the past for these. Right. I don't, I didn't know, don't, didn't understand the transition of men to short pants. Right now you pull them off, right? Like my wife thinks you pull them off. I'm sure your, your wife thinks you pull them off. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't advise me wearing something like that out, would you? I, I think you could pull it off, dude. Listen, I, I, I know Wellesley is a very preppy town, <laughs> a lot like the town that I grew up in. And I think you could pull it off. Listen, those are the only linen pants that I have. And it being so humid in South Carolina, sure. I'm like, I'm bringing these bad boys. I don't care that they're yellow. I don't care that they go to my ankle. Yeah. The old flow is going to pull it off. Well, and, and you are a trendsetter and fashion forward and ahead of the trend, right? Because you did this before it was in vogue. And I'm looking at you in like 2009 MMA Live at ESPN. Like, what is this guy doing? You know, what is this guy wearing? Uh, and then I actually went to Saks off Fifth Avenue and God damn it, I bought a pair of Navy short pants. Yes. And if a lot of my UFC colleagues like Zach Candido, Michael LaPlante are listening to this, um, they're rolling eyes because they've seen me, you know, bang on other guys wearing those right to their face. So uh, oh, it's not great. it's not a short pants era for me yet. Tag still on them. But I, I had to point it out after you look so, so good on Father's Day. So happy, <laughs> happy Father's Day. Uh, to all the great dads out there and, you know, all the men who are doing right by men, right? Because uh, obviously the mothers are the ones who hold up most of these families, let's be honest. And certainly yes. Kenny and I can attest to that, right? But there's a lot of dads, I think, that are doing more than dads were doing 20, 25 years ago. And I say that as humbly as possible. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, uh, TJ DeSantis and the rest of them. So I got some big fight odds for you. Longo's coming up in about five minutes. We don't have a UFC show to recap. So, you know, the show prepper that I am. I just was looking up some of the big fights today, and I want to pick your brain on a couple of things. So basically, I'm going to give you three betting favorites, okay? I'm going to give you three UFC champions, active UFC champions, all in a similar range in terms of the betting odds for their next title defense. So you're going to tell me, of the three, which fighter you are most confident in to successfully defend the belt, uh, and right. then maybe the fighter of the three that you're least confident in, which might be an underdog lean for some of our, our gamblers out there. So... These three favorites, very similarly priced. So July 6, UFC 239, Vegas, Amanda Nunes, minus 350 against Holly Holm. UFC 240, July 27, Edmonton, Max Holloway, minus 370 against Frankie Edgar. And UFC 242, September 7th, Abu Dhabi, Khabib Nurmagomedov, minus 360, Dustin Poirier, plus 260. So... The impetus for this, I was reading Dustin Poirier's quotes, Kenny, about how Khabib is 27 for 27 and that he and his American top team coaches, mind you, very smart people. Uh, look what they just got out of Nina Ansaroff, too, right, these guys. So the coaches, they, they're not so focused on the opponent's weaknesses as they are Dustin's strength and his ability to apply pressure in that fight. And I think he's a more live underdog than maybe the betting odds would indicate, but I understand why Khabib gets the treatment that he does. Uh, at least in terms of the opening numbers. So of those three favorites, Amanda Nunes, Max Holloway, Khabib Nurmagomedov, not the easiest question here on a Monday morning, but which of those favorites are you most confident in to defend their belts in the next, you know, two months? You know, I, um, I, I've been looking at this, and before you even asked me this question, I was thinking about this very thing. What would be the best bet to put on? Right. Uh, and Frankie Edgar, for me, is the guy that stands out. I think that it's it, it's an interesting matchup because... Max Holloway hasn't faced a whole lot of wrestlers uh, or guys that can put him on his back repeatedly like a Frankie Edgar. And, and, and you compound that with the experience, with the, with the big fight experience that Frankie Edgar has. Um, I, I think he's got a great shot. Not to mention, Max Holloway's the kind of guy who puts together uh, the combinations and the volume over time that eventually takes you out, right? You look at even his TKO wins, his knockout wins. 
Um, they, they happen o- over the, the course of a couple rounds after he's really putting a lot of hurt on you over time. He's not that right. one-punch knockout kind of guy. Um, so I think Frank Edgar is the guy who stands out for me. So when you also factor in the fact that Max Holloway went an extended distance with Dustin Poirier, not all that long ago, it's a three-month turn, and then that was a fight that didn't have the variable that is the featherweight weight cut for Max Holloway. So I can certainly understand understand why a lot of people see value in Frankie. I also think you're getting about as fresh a Frankie Edgar as you've gotten in a long time, right? He had the Ortega loss and then quickly turned around and beat Cub Swanson, and then it's now had more than a year away from the octagon. So I can understand why people see value in Frankie. In terms of Poirier against Khabib Nurmagomedov, it's no secret that Dustin's going to have to be at his best. But when you look at the way he's handled a lot of these big situations and opponents like Justin Gaethje and Anthony Pettis and Eddie Alvarez twice, and then Max Holloway, who, you know, had a seven year winning streak on the line when he faced him, you know, I do think he's a big game player, which I think for some people sort of hard to quantify. A lot of sports journalists don't like the use of the word clutch, right? Would to call Dustin Poirier clutch. I don't know if it applies to fighting as much as other pro sports, but to me, he's a big game player going to Abu Dhabi, fighting Habib Nurmagomedov. I understand the first takedown maybe will deflate a lot of balloons in terms of those betting on Poirier as an underdog. Um, but realistically, compared to past Habib opponents, what kind of chances you give him Poirier come September 7th? I think the odds here are pretty accurate, actually. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I thought it would actually be into the 300s potentially. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. I, I love Dustin Poirier as a fighter. I just think this matchup for him against Habib is a very tough one. Um, a, a lot like uh, Max Holloway, um, Dustin Poirier is the kind of guy who uh, right. needs volume to take you out. He's not that one-punch uh, kind of guy uh, who will take you out with just one strike. Now, um, I think the fact that um, you know he's had a lot of excellent momentum heading into this fight is a positive but um, I don't think Dustin Poirier is is so well known for his ground game as far as being effective or dangerous off of his back. And I think ultimately the guy who can really be effective off of his back and the guy who has one punch knockout power is the guy who's going to be that ultimate threat to Habib. And I don't see Dustin Poirier as that guy. I think he's a fantastic fighter. I just think that Habib Nurmagomedov has that ability ability to neuter a lot of guys like a Dustin Poirier. And and I don't think it's going to be a, some kind of a mauling. It, it could potentially be that. But I see Habib controlling that fight, going the distance throughout five rounds, uh, and just taking uh, Poirier down and controlling him for the majority of that fight. Now, anything can happen. But the way that those match, uh, way that those guys match up, that that's the way I see it going down. So when Dustin Poirier rematched Max Holloway, he was asked a lot about the first fight and he had to watch that first fight back and give his sort of running commentary. And he sort of followed up with us in our fighter meeting. But basically, Kenny, he said his functional jujitsu is maybe not quite as clean uh, as it was back then in 2012. And his jujitsu has gotten better if you look at the total body of work. Right. But. It's interesting to hear sort of him admit that, and I would think his jiu-jitsu and his grappling would have to be very good to fight this combat sambo master. But these coaches, I think, are variable, and that says nothing about Abdulmanap Nurmagomedov and AKA and all those guys, but the, the American top team and its ability collectively with all of those minds to devise a game plan to try to beat Khabib with 11 weeks to do it. Dustin's already here training. What, 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 is, the, what is the mentality? I mean, cardio's got to be first priority, I guess. But what, what are you coaching Dustin to, to do, and, and what's your game plan to try to beat this guy? 
you know, certainly conditioning is going to be a factor. I, I think that these are a lot of skills that someone will need over a long period of time in order to really catch someone like a Habib Nurmagomedov. You have to put him in a very strange position. Um, I think being very good at something like leg attacks, um, a, a, a very powerful high elbow guillotine, something to counter those takedowns, something that can, a, a Kimura trap that can kind of counter some of those single and double leg attempts. Um, being a kind of a funk style wrestler like a Ben Askren, those are the kind of aspects that you need in your game. And the problem with that is for Dustin Poirier and any other fighter for that matter is you need years and years of that kind of experience. I, I see very few people that can beat Habib Nurmagomedov in and around 155 pounds. I, I right. just, it, it's going to be very difficult. Um, I, I think at the top, you know, you're going to have to be some kind of, um, phenomenal submission expert like a Ryan Hall, for example, yeah, right. or someone who is going to be extremely dangerous with their wrestling. Let's say like if, if uh, you know, I know there was rumors uh, about GSP going down in weight potentially. He's a guy that because of his wrestling, both offensively and defensively, could yeah. thwart some of those uh, attacks and advances from someone like a GSP. And I think on the second tier of that would be someone like a Conor McGregor. All right, and then the final fight, it sounds like you would give Holly Holm a better chance to against Amanda Nunes, big picture, than Poirier against Khabib, or not necessarily? No, actually, I, I actually, as far as the person who has the least odds, I, I, I think it's Holly Holm. For me, I, I think Holly um, hasn't quite developed as much as I had hoped. I think that you look at her background and all of those things, I think that um, she, she is a good striker. I, I just think that She's way too tense for her amount of experience in, in, in combat. I, I would expect her to be a little bit more loose and relaxed. And when she is loose and relaxed, I think she is a devastating striker. She's excellent as a counter striker. She moves very well. But when she's tense, I feel like there's um, this lack of showing her true potential as a fighter. I think she's much better than what she's showing. But we haven't quite seen it. E even in the fight against Ronda, I, I think that once she started catching her, she really started loosening up. Um, but um, I, I think it's going to be a very tough task to take out someone like Amanda Nunes with that kind of firepower. Right. Uh, and, and with her ability to also put Holly on her back as well. We forget about uh, Amanda Nunes' ability to do that as well. And she does not give you a lot of time to uh, get comfortable in there, as we yes. have seen uh, in yeah. the past. All right, very quickly before we get to Longo, the only other two numbers I had, I'm going to give you four fighters, August 17th, Anaheim, UFC 241. Tell me which of these four fighters has the best chance to win. Very close in terms of the odds. Daniel Cormier, minus 150. Stipe Miocic, plus 110. And then Anthony Pettis and Nate Diaz. This line has bounced around a little bit. Right now, this morning, I saw Pettis, minus 135. Nate Diaz, minus 105. A lot of people like Diaz as close to an even money underdog or in that minus 105, minus 110 range. Uh, what do you got for me on Anaheim, my man? Geez, uh, uh, this is a tough one. Um, all very interesting fights. I, I think the, the person with the best odds is actually uh, not the person with, with the greatest odds here as the favorite. Uh, Francis Ngannou, um, yes, he can definitely knock out Junior Dos Santos. But for me, I think it's it's between Daniel Cormier and Nate Diaz, in, in my opinion, as uh, the guys that I think are, are have the best chances of getting the win. Interesting. 
And that Francis Ngannou Jr. Dos Santos fight, by the way, is 12 days from now. JDS, a plus 190 underdog. Francis Ngannou, minus 250. That one uh, has been made prior, and uh, it shall be done coming up in 12 days. All right, Longo's going to be pissed because it's two after the hour. Let's get to Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, the great Ray Longo now joins us. Good to hear you, man. So we are Garden City, New York to South Carolina to Little Rock, Arkansas to Boca Raton, Florida. We've got those four bases covered today. How about that, huh? That's pretty good. TJ must be a wizard. I guess. We'll see. I mean, I say that with all due respect. He's my audio source and my guy, but, uh, you know, bad time for you to be bringing that up, Ray Longo, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> no. Uh, so how, how did uh, – I love you, TJ, and you goddamn well know it. I love – by the way, picture of TJ DeSantis and his father on Father's Day. Best picture I saw on Instagram yesterday. Ray Longo, how did the team do over the weekend? Wow, I tell you what, man. We had a great weekend at Bellator. Uh John Bonaducci won, and uh, Cashby at Zemma won. The only loss was uh, Heather Hardy, who's uh, really new to the game, and she's obviously a good boxer, but her ground needs some work. But, uh, you know, definitely a work in progress, and uh, I hope she puts the time in because I'd hate to see a, you know, I'd, I'd like to see it keep going and just, you know, really give it a good try. But uh, overall, great night, and, uh, yeah, I thought the event was awesome also. So have you had any downtime after Aljo and this fight, uh, any Father's Day time with your girls, or is it just all systems go and keep trucking? Uh, no, no, I had a great great Father's Day with my girls, went out, we hung out for the uh, afternoon. Yeah, it was a really, really peaceful time, went out for uh, brunch and just chilled out. It was, uh, it was a great day, and it was, that was the first day I got to kind of relax, and then I couldn't resist. I had to come to the gym at night and uh, do a couple of things. So, Ken Flo, imagine your dad's Ray Longo. You know, <laughs> that would be awesome. I mean, how, I would how, love how, to how have was, you as a father. <laughs> how was your uh, Father's Day, both of you guys? It was awesome. It was awesome. Nice and relaxing. Yeah. Ate a bunch of food that was bad for me, and uh, I enjoyed it. What about yeah, you? It was, nice. it was fine, Ray. It was fine. I got three kids under eight. You know, I mean, it was fine. Uh, right back to it, though. You know, I mean, it's kind of a work day getting ready for the podcast. You know how it is. We're always sort of in prep mode. So uh, <clears throat> so for much of the year, Ray, well, actually, you know, before we go there, because I, I don't want to go there yet. Uh, we were just talking off the top of the show about Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier, September 7th, Abu Dhabi. And I would think as a coach, like you relish this opportunity if you're American top team to try to get Poirier to spring this upset. I understand what they're up against in terms of the matchup, but I would think if you're American top team, you know you've got someone who's tough as hell, who's tested on the big stage, uh, who's not afraid. Um, I'm very curious to see what Poirier can do. I know it's a tall task, but uh, I- I'm curious if if he's capable of turning in the best night of his life to you know beat this seemingly unbeatable fighter. Yeah, well, I look, uh, your first point as a coach, 100% relish in that, and that's a great uh, great challenge for everybody. And I and I do believe, I love Khabib. I think he's the, obviously the best fighter out there, but I think Poirier could pull it off. I think, uh, you know, there's patterns and what, uh, you know, Khabib has been doing those first two rounds are kind of brutal. Uh, but I do think he looks to take a round off, you know, just to regroup and, you know, 
you know, I think I, just, I, I think I was just watching the McGregor fight. McGregor definitely, if I'm not mistaken, the third round, he decisively won, I think. Is that correct? Or I would defer to you on that, right? Yeah, no, he did. Yeah, I, mean, no, it... I think he was, he just outstruck him and the fight never hit the floor or it hit the right. floor at the end. But I don't know. So, I mean, it's not like he's, he's unbeatable, you know what I mean? But you are going to have to survive that ground attack. And that takes a special person not to break. So if uh, Poirier is that person, he's got five rounds to do it. He's definitely, you know, a big 55 or also. I don't know. It, that's, I'm excited for the fight. So Raging Ally Quinta had some comments recently. I regret that I don't remember the source. But basically, he doesn't want to be known as a tough guy. I mean, it's great that he can fall back on his heart and his toughness, but he believes he has all the tools to be the champion. And I think the Cerrone fight was obviously a, a learning lesson for him. Uh, we got to at least get one more in before uh, we close 2019 for Ray Janelle. Oh, I think uh, most certainly he's getting one more in. Uh, he's uh, look at the end of the day, Al is a competitor and I agree with you. You always want to use toughness as a last resort, but you know, obviously he's a very technical uh you know, boxer, and he's uh, got a great ground game. So uh, I think he, I, I expect uh, the next fight to be phenomenal. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would say we're definitely seeing him by the end of the year. And, you know, like, again, these guys, they're all in the right place at the right time, and they're all feeding off of each other. And like I said it before with Aljo, it's great energy. They sincerely are pulling for each other. It's a great dynamic. And I think as long as that holds together, all the fights are going to be tough. Win, lose, or draw, they're all going to right. be in the fight, without a doubt. You know? Man, you got a so, lot of yeah, you got a lot of big fights coming up. I think with Al, when I hear him talking with this championship hunger, it's encouraging. It's encouraging that that he's healthy and out the other side of what was a very tough fight. So it's just you're gonna you got a lot of big fights coming up, man. We're we're excited. All right, yeah. before I and, let and you go, Al lives in a division that probably is the deepest freaking division there is. I mean. It is the, the deepest. The third, you know, Kenny, the first 10 guys, anybody at any given point in time can win a fight, a big fight, you know? So, uh, Chris Wyman moving up to 205 pounds. Do you think that's with finality and, and these these days of cutting down to 86 for him are over? It seems like uh, unless it's a special type of fight, it looks like those days are uh, behind him. And while we mentioned Chris Weidman, a big shout-out. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday to the All-American. Really good guy. Looking forward to uh, his uh, his trip into the uh, 205 uh, weight class. But, would, uh, you have, uh, would you have wished him a happy birthday on the way out today had I not brought him up? Was that part of your, your hope and goal and dream today or no? <laughs> was, uh, that's what's called impromptu. That's good. See how good this fucking Longo is. All right, last thing. So for for much of the year, Ray, we have given you the opportunity uh, to fatten your Anakin Florian podcast Christmas check by picking UFC main events, right? And uh, hasn't gone particularly well, right? Or (laughs) I suck. I mean, look, I got no. Oh, (laughs) oh, I'm horrible. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to clean the slate, okay? There's six months left in 2018, and, and pending Ken Flo's impro- uh, approval on the other side. All you have to do the rest of the way with UFC main events is be above 500, and I'm going to give you $1,000, okay? Wow. If wow. Ken Flo approves. If Ken Flo approves, if not. A thousand? I mean, Ray, ah, Ray you're, 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 you're killing us, Ray. You're killing us, Ray. 
He's well, the majority these, partner. He owns these, 51% of the business, Ray. These hey, business listen, decisions. Kenny, that he, all right, that's you're, fine. You're, Kenny, you're a betting man. You know it's in your favor anyway. I haven't seen <laughs> those fight right in about three years. Oh, man, I, I'm just as bad. I've been just as no, bad, like, Ray. I, but... It's so bad now I run into fighters and they say, just please pick, pick against me. Don't even pick <laughs> me, please. I'm going to fucking lose. I'm like uh, uh, I'm the bush in the Bronx Tale. All right, well. Hilarious. What do we got? Well, I, right, I know you have no preparation for this. You probably don't even know what the main event in Greenville, South Carolina is this weekend. Wait, John, I have no preparation for anything. Why, why would I have preparation for this? That's right. No, <laughs> fair point. Well, hopefully you know who these guys are because they're a pretty big deal as far as I'm concerned, at least in my life. Uh, Henato Moicano, minus 210, fellow featherweight contender, the Korean Zombie. Chan Sung Jung is the plus 170 underdog. We don't need any analysis if you don't have... That all you need to do is be above five hundred. Give us main event winners. We want winners, Ray. That's all we're looking for, and get a thousand bucks. I'm, uh, I'm going with Moicano. There you go, smart man. Just take I'm the chalk. Like, I think I'm start, and I think I'm starting this uh, this new venture off positive. I go with Moicano, and I just want to send my you know my apologies to him right now because I picked him. But uh, Moicano, <laughs> you got to do it for me. All right, my man. Well, uh, thanks for the extended time. We hope you have a great week, and uh, we will talk to you in less than seven days. And again, happy Father's Day. I didn't get to text you guys yesterday, but I want to say it in person because I think that's the best way to do everything. But happy Father's Day. You guys are the best, and uh, I hope you had a great day. Same to you, man. Take it easy, guys. There he is, Raymond Longo, every week on the Anakin Florin podcast. Ken Flo's not the type of guy that's going to blast out a text, Happy Father's Day, to every male contact in his phone. So if you're looking for that yesterday out of the 508, <laughs> it's just not fucking coming. And I'm the same way, you know. I'll text you back if you text me Happy Father's Day, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, all right, good stuff there from, from Ray Longo. And a good main event coming up this weekend, Moicano and the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. Let's make some picks of the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, it is time for the main event challenge. And if only we were speeding when TJ pre-interviewed Ian Parker, our guest here for the main event challenge today. Because you hear a little background noise, right? Like TJ is obsessed with audio quality. And uh, I'm hearing all sorts of stuff already. And, and Ian hasn't even said hello. My man, Ian Parker, how are you? What's going on, bro? Is, is the connection better right now? You sound crystal clear. Uh, but, you know, we can't okay. expect studio quality. I think you're you're in transit and, and we understand that. So let's do a little standings update. Uh, 64 53 for the good guys going into UFC 238. Uh, Ken Flo defeats IP 11-8. Seventh consecutive winning week for Team Florian. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. Seven consecutive winning weeks. He's only shaved like nine or ten points off the lead, though, in that time. 72-64 heading into UFC Greenville. It is UFC Fight Night Moicano versus the Korean Zombie. First fight on the board will pick the entire five-fight main card in the middleweight division. Kevin Holland, minus 220. Alessio DeCurico, plus 180. Holland's won a couple in a row, Ian, after dropping that UFC debut against Tiago Santos. Who do you like here, DeCurico or Kevin Trailblazer Holland? Um, honestly, this is, a, this, this is a weird matchup. I know I say that a lot, but the odds here, I'm a little surprised on how big of a favorite Holland is. But even, even with that being said, 
I don't like Chirico's uh, lack of activity. And I also don't like that in some of the fights he's had, they have gone to decision. I mean, he lost Eric Spicely, but he's only fighting once a year. His last fight was last summer. And it really wasn't anything impressive. In fact, I actually didn't think he beat Julian Marquez in that fight. So yeah. I'm going to go Kevin Holland here. I think um, his win over uh, Gerald in that last fight was more decisive than Chirico's win. So I'm going to go with Holland. He's also fought, in my opinion, better competition. His wins have been decisive. And to your point, I mean, even though Thiago Santos' fight was a little time ago, only losing by decision, I think at right. this point where we see uh, Santos at, kind of says a lot. So I'm going with Kevin Holland here. And that was certainly a short notice fight for Kevin Holland against Thiago Mejeta Santos. So uh, clearly that, that with DeCurico fights and Ian Parker's going to get a Modelo. He's not an Alessio DeCurico fan. Maybe he'll <laughs> change that this weekend, Ken Flo. Lost his UFC debut, has since won three of four, including two in a row. He is the plus 180 underdog here against Kevin Holland. Well, no real debate here against Ian. Um, I think he has this one right. Uh, Kevin Holland should get the win here. I think Alessio DiCirico is a a pretty good striker. Uh, I just think it's nothing that Kevin Holland hasn't seen before. I think uh, Holland will be better on the ground as well. Uh, I'm going to go with Holland as well. You guys listen to Kenny Florian say DiCirico, right? I mean, do we not miss that on the UFC broadcast? You know, people give me credit, right? But the intonation, you know, very good. All right. Next fight, women's flyweight division. Andrea Lee, top 10 fighter, minus 220 favorite here, Ian, against the 11th-ranked Montana De La Rosa. She's plus 180. Six straight wins for Andrea Lee, 2-0 in the UFC. Last win, Ashley Evans-Smith in February. Ian Parker, you've got a hot microphone. Who do you like? I like Lee here, um, and not just because she's a favorite. I think her game is way ahead of Montana's, although Montana has definitely shown us some evolution to the game her last fight. I was really impressed um, on where she's come from since her days in the Ultimate Fighter. I just think Andrea Lee is someone that we're going to see rise the ranks pretty quickly. I think this is a nice position where she's at. I think this is a nice name for her to actually get past, and I just think she's got uh, too many tools. I think she's way more well-rounded. I know Montana relies on her, on her jiu-jitsu, uh, I just think Andrea Lee is going to be too much for her, so I'm going with the favorite here. I'm taking Lee. All right, Ken Flo, Montana and De La Rosa. I think she gets better with every appearance. I think she's someone who can legitimately make a run. She'll have to come through as an underdog here. She's won four in a row, all by submission, 3-0 and in the octagon, three submissions. Uh, and I thought took out a very tough Nadia Kassam her last time out. De La Rosa, plus 180, taking on Andrea Lee. What do you think of this one? Well, John, I think you're right. Uh, De La Rosa is getting better. She does have some good momentum heading into this fight, uh, but not quite the same momentum as Andrea Lee. I, I think Andrea um, has the ability to really dictate the fight a little bit better. Um, I think that's something that she has gotten much better with, uh, bringing the fight to where she needs to at the right time, establishing the right range, um, You know, always making the right decisions for the most part when she fights. Um, gets a little sloppy at times on the ground, but I think it's going to be enough to get by De La Rosa. I like Andrea Lee here. All right, two picks there on Andrea Lee and Kevin Holland. So we have accordance through the first two. All right, at welterweight, Brian Bam Bam Barberina, minus 265, the favorite here against Randy Rudeboy Brown. Rudeboy, the plus 200, betting underdog, Ian Parker. Barberina, Randy Brown, who do you like? Huh, you know... <laughs> this fight I've been going back and forth on because this is the first time I think we're seeing Barbarina as a favorite and we're seeing him as a heavy favorite. And Randy Brown was not doing bad against uh, Nico. 
And then he got right. caught from the bottom uh, for being on top of getting knocked out, which is super embarrassing at this level of the sport. However, up until that point, he's doing a, a really good job against Nico. Nico is tough as fuck, man. That guy, and look what he does. You know, look who he knocks out. Look how he comes to fight. Barbarina is so confusing to me because against, you know, Luke, he should have got destroyed and look what he did, you know? Um, but I also th- thought that Luke did not fight really that intelligently and try to take the fight to the ground. Instead, he fell into Barbarina's trap and brawled. I think that Randy, Br- I- I'm going to, I really would like some separation from Ken Flo on this, unless he chooses to piggyback on my third pick in a row. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to take Randy Brown. I'm hoping, based on the pick, that Randy Brown is not going to go out there and think he's going to outslug Barbarina. I think he's athletic enough and strong enough to bring this fight to the ground, not get submitted, and hopefully not unaware where he gets knocked out from being on top again. So I'm, I'm hoping he's going to wrestle his way to victory on this one. I'm taking the underdog. Hopefully that will give us a little separation. That's a quality selection there out of Ian Parker. Nicely researched, well-played, voice sounds good, Barbarina pronounced correctly. He's been the underdog <laughs> much of his UFC journey, Ken Flo. Barbarina certainly was the case his last time out against Vicente Luque. I think Barbarina is a tough guy to bet against because he can absorb so much punishment that when you have a ticket on the other guy, you're sitting there like, dude, man, what's it going to take to get this guy out of there? Uh, and this weekend, you got to pay a price for Barbarina. It's minus 265. Your thoughts uh, for Barbarina and Brown here in a featured bout this weekend? Well, I think from, from a betting standpoint, I think Ian Parker's making the right choice here. I, I think that... For me, uh, Randy Brown can definitely get it done. Uh, Barbarina makes a lot of mistakes out there. I mean, he's so willing to just get in the pocket and trade. Uh, But as you said, he can take a lot of punishment. And for me, that was the one factor that didn't let me go the other way and pick the underdog in Randy Brown. I think Barbarina's fight experience in the UFC, I think his chin uh, really are the two things that really stand out. I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you try to see uh, Brian actually mix things up and try to put Randy on his back as right. well this one. But I do think that Randy is the more explosive striker. And if there's a knockout, and most likely it would be Randy Brown. But um, I'll, I'll go with Barbarina in this one. Barbarina is a farmer. He and his family moved. I forget where, but they have a farm. And, you know, you could do worse than betting on that tough farmer. We'll see how it goes for Brian Barbarina against Randy Brown this weekend. All right. Co-main event now. Rematch between two of the most exciting bandweights in the UFC. John Lineker, minus 210. Rob Font, plus 170. As many of you know, Font was supposed to face Cody Stamen. He was forced out just 12 days ago. So that was June 5th. Here we are, June 17th. In steps, Johnny left hook. Lineker beat Font by unanimous decision the first time they met. UFC 198, May 14th, 2016. Ian Parker, here we are three years later. Obviously a big opportunity for Rob Font if he can capitalize. The question is, will he capitalize? I don't think he will. Listen, I took Font last time against uh, Sergio Pettis for all the correct reasons. This time, it's not that I have anything against Rob Font in this fight. I think he has evolved. Takedown defense has gotten better. His striking. But in this fight, I don't think he's going to be faster than Lineker. I don't think he's going to be stronger. And Lineker hasn't shown us anything that uh, my expectations would be any different other than against someone like a Dillashaw where you're going against, well, now we know a juiced up elite wrestler, you know, <laughs> other than that, Lineker handles, John really handles his business. And, you know, I don't think Font's a good enough wrestler that is anything different than what Lineker, Lineker has seen before. I think it's going to be a striking fight. And there's very few people I pick against Lineker when it comes to a striking battle. 
So I'm going to go, John Leinecker. I got. Do I have to do a method of victory with this one? I do, correct? Yeah, we, we'll take it. We'll take it from you. I'm going to say TKO round two. TKO round two for Ian Parker. So Johnny left hook, Lineker, Ken Flo, winning streak ended by Corey Sandhagen, as you know, in April. I'd imagine this for Lineker is a welcomed opportunity to get right back in there on short notice. How do you see the rematch? Not in Brazil, now stateside going down. Man, uh, th- this one is very tempting for me. I-, I feel like John Lineker, yes, he's a good fighter, Ian, but for me, he's getting into that very dangerous territory where you know exactly what he's going to do, and yes, he's got that you know left hook and that right hand from hell, but I don't know. He- he's becoming that same fighter. There has been zero evolution in that guy's game for me, um, and I think that's a dangerous position to be in as a fighter. I don't love that. Um, and I think Rob Font has been evolving as a fighter. Um, I, I think his footwork is far superior to that of John Lineker. But I think Ian has it right here. I, I don't. I, it, it's it's going to be difficult for me still at this point to go against Lineker. I think Lineker, if there's someone who finishes the fight, it will most likely be Lineker. I think Lineker has the better chin here. Uh, Font could outpoint him, but... Um, I, I got to stick with Lineker. I think he's been a little bit more consistent, but I saw a lot of positives in Rob Font's win over Sergio Pettis. So that was very tempting, but I'll, I'll go with the favorite Lineker as well. You go on Lineker, unanimous decision. I'll Split. go with unanimous decision. All right, decision for John Lineker. A lot of momentum for New England MMA with Calvin Cater there, and we'll see if Rob Font can keep it going there against Johnny Left Hook Lineker. All right, main event. Oh, how good is this? I'm excited to sit on my couch. I need a new couch. This one has all the makings, boys. At featherweight, fifth-ranked Hanato Moicano, minus 210. Number 12, Chan Sung Jung, plus 170. Kind of like an NCAA basketball tournament matchup here. Five versus 12. We'll see if the Korean zombie can spring the upset. Ian Parker, of course, we will need the round and the method of victory. Who wins the main event this weekend in Greenville, South Carolina? This is like a, a better's worst nightmare because for me, it would really depend on where I'm at in the night, whether I was up or down a lot and the need to hit a home run. Mm. It, it, it's hard because Korean zombie is just so much fun and he's so unpredictable. And Moicano was supposed to be the guy that got past Aldo and was the next big thing in this weight class. And then we saw what happened to him. Maybe it was just too much too soon. I don't know. These odds are throwing me off, man. I'm, I've been going, this is like a ping pong thing right now in my brain. And it's just challenging because that fight with Yaya Rodriguez, you know, Korean Zombie wasn't fighting bad, but he just was looking for the brawl. And how I'm going to base my decision here is based off, I think, a fight IQ. And I think Boycano is just a little bit smarter. And I think he's going to learn a lot from that fight with Aldo. And I don't, I don't love this pick because this fight, if this turns into a brawl, it's whoever's going to land the craziest shit possible. Like you said, John, sitting on the couch, just watching fireworks go off. But... I'm going to go with the favorite here just because I don't trust Korean zombie style against someone who's more of a technical striker. And I'm going to go Moicano. I think he's just, I don't know, he's taken a lot less damage. And Zombie has not the inactivity of his career over the last few years, especially since he's been back. So I'm going to go Moicano. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know how, to, how this is going to end. I'm just going to say unanimous decision, Moicano. Because honestly, this is going to be such an unpredictable fight. Anyone who guesses this on the nose, I will tell their picks because this is going to be crazy. 
All right, so Ian Parker in a holding pattern, but forced to choose today. He likes Hinata Moicano by unanimous decision. Ken Flo, the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung, ran into that. Yair Rodriguez elbow late in 2018. Fifth straight main event for the Korean zombie. I bet you didn't know that, right? Five straight headlining spots here for Chan Sung Jung. Now, granted, just his third fight overall since August of 2013, but he's been in a lot of big spots before. Has that sort of Barbarina toughness we were talking about. Again, if I'm a better sitting down, I don't love having action against guys that have this Terminator quality and keep on coming. Uh, your thoughts on what we might see here in, uh, in this featherweight eliminator of sorts this weekend? I did not know that statistic of, uh, of five main events in the UFC, but it absolutely makes sense. If you're the UFC, you want a right, guy right. like the Korean zombie in your main event. He always delivers, and he's the kind of guy that whether he wins, he loses, he always comes back in the exact same manner. Now, I also understand Ian Parker's hesitation here in this fight. Uh, this is very confusing. Uh, Moicano coming off a loss against Jose Aldo. Now, I did pick Jose Aldo in that fight. Um, but, um, I think in this fight here with Korean zombie, he's a guy who loves to pressure. He stays in the pocket. He doesn't care if he gets knocked out. He just wants to get in there and scrap. Um, Moicano does have the skills on the outside. Uh, I think to be the better fighter, but Korean zombie has this ability to just draw you into these brawls. And there's very few people that are willing to go to those dark places like the Korean zombie. Yair Rodriguez, we found out can and will um, yeah. and was capable and pulled that elbow from hell out of nowhere that that got in my opinion one of the greatest knockouts in UFC history yeah I don't know if Moicano is capable of something like that if he is maybe it comes in the form of a knee or something like that but um I like the Korean zombie in this one I'm gonna go the other way I see a TKO in round three for the Korean fighter Chan Sung Young. Oh, well played, Ken Flo. Now I'm even more excited than I was at the beginning of the program today. Uh, Ian Parker, <laughs> great job as always, my man. We will talk to you next week. Thank you, sir. Oh, looking forward to it. And, Kenny, I'm glad you uh, agree with me. These fights this week are really tough. challenging to pick. Absolutely, man. What a you know? card. And, people, and, and, John, one last thing. For, the, for those of you guys that are out there betting on these, watching these fights, you really got to know the sport here and know these matchups. These are not easy picks. You know, yep. but, Sometimes when we when we hit these, there's a lot of research involved and things shock us. So Kenny, I appreciate what you just said about Korean zombie Moicano because honestly, I don't disagree with you either. I, yeah. I agree on, on both ends. It's just it's really hard. So. It's a tough one. Well, oh, and yeah. then you have and then you have a fan like me who's like, I don't know, Kata got it done a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> Font just keeps it going. You know, <laughs> the, the Boston trains coming into South Carolina. Yeah. Exactly, kid. All right, Ian, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Is it amazing that, like, the play-by-play -play announcer for the UFC, like, that's how where his brain goes when he thinks about a matchup. The first thing that goes into my head is like, well, I don't know, you know. But intangibly, I do think there are things like that. And if you were around that team last week, and even just being around Calvin, I mean – He's Dude ha has some, yeah, he really is. And uh, I, I think Font is in tremendous shape. And I think if you're Rob Font, right, all of a sudden this fight just got a huge, huge boost in the arm with respect to Cody Stamen, you know. Well, so. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. I, I might do one of the one of those last minute calls to you, John, and, and switch it around because um, I, I do want to see how Rob Font looks. I do want to see uh, how Lineker looks uh, that that is a tricky call. It really is. 
All right, before we go, I just want to congratulate uh, the 314 and the other area codes in St. Louis, Missouri, and, of course, the 6. The Toronto Raptors and the St. Louis Blues are the NBA and Stanley Cup champions, respectively. So, as many of our listeners know, since February of 2002, there have been 12 major championship parades in the city of Boston. So, it likely in my lifetime, another city will have a hard time laying claim to title town or the city of champions. And as much as we would have liked the Bruins to have won game seven the other night, I'm getting older and I am very happy for fans in St. Louis who have been lifetime blues fans who have never won a Stanley cup. And certainly for Toronto to have the Raptors come through in the manner in which they did. Uh, there's no asterisk because of the injuries to the warriors. I just feel great for these cities because we've woken up to a lot of Monday mornings like this over the last 15, 20 years. And, uh, you know, they all sting, right? If you're only as good as your last championship, like I'm still fucking pissed, you know, but it is what it is. And, and it's hard not to be happy for these other cities that haven't experienced these things, you know? Uh, first of all, screw the St. Louis <laughs> Blues. They could go to hell. Okay. Okay. Screw them. No. Fuck the dirtiest uh, team in sports. Uh, absolutely, kid. Uh, the referee was horrible, but other than that, uh, no, listen, the, the St. Louis blues, they just, they capitalized when they needed to man in that game seven, it was heartbreaking to see, but man, the Bruins were dominating that game. You know, there's a saying in soccer, there's no logic in soccer. The same could be said for, for, for hockey as well at the highest level. Um, sometimes there is no logic. You, You have a team that's dominating the boards, getting more shots on goal. Uh, huge credit goes out to their goalie. What rookie season for that dude? Incredible. Absolutely killed it. Tuca has been amazing, man. Tuca is is an absolute beast. Wasn't able, you know, didn't have his best game. Unfortunately, also was kind of left for dead there uh, by yeah. his defenseman. But uh, yeah, it, it was a terrific series. Uh, congratulations to the St. Louis Blues and uh, to the Toronto Raptors, man. Uh, again, it, it's cool to see uh, them get their first NBA champions uh, championship and uh, the king of the North. The king of the north. Well king done. King of the north. And I will say, too, not unlike there's a fighting parallel in terms of losing a championship fight, right? Yeah. Because for the Bruins, right, you get that close. You got a game seven in your building to win the Stanley Cup. Like, have fun with the preseason next year and game one of 82 trying to get back to the top of the heap, right? Obviously, it's different in terms of how many games you have to win and what you need to do in the NHL compared to winning a couple fights to maybe get the title shot. But building yourself back up after that happens, Ken, I know is something that you can speak to and and is not uh, easy to do. So uh, congrats to the fucking St. Louis Blue. A bunch of fucking bullshit, man. I was so pissed. Oh, I was so pissed. You know, my daughter wakes up, runs into the room. It was one nothing St. Louis when she went to bed. She's like, did the Bruins win the championship? It's like, you know, she's almost expecting because the Patriots and the Red Sox just did it that the Bruins would just follow suit, you know? Um, yeah. So what are you going to do? Can't win them all. All right. That is going to do it for today. Uh, thanks to Ray Longo, Ian Parker, TJ DeSantis, uh, producing the show from Little Rock, Arkansas today. Uh, we are right back next Monday, June 24th. We will get you primed and ready for UFC Fight Night in Ganu versus Dos Santos from TJ's hometown in Minneapolis to close out the month of June. All right, with that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for subscribing. We will talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, yo fucking later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only. 
Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Barton, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 